Parents today have a problem that no parent has ever had to deal with before, technology and social media. If you're anything like me, it feels daunting and unknown and, if I'm being honest, unescapable. We don't have to navigate this alone. In today's episode, we talk with Kira Pendergast, who is the founder of Safe on Social. We talk all about ways in which we can work with our children to create loving boundaries around tech in our home and some key advice on doing this in a way that maintains our connection and their safety. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Oliver. I can't believe we're already in season two of this wild ride and we are so happy that you are here alongside us. We have some incredible guests and stories to share with you this season and in order to get these tracks into more ears, we would love for you to follow and subscribe to the podcast on your chosen platform and if you could share your insights or takeaway moments on your socials, Instagram is our main playground so why don't you come and play with us over there. Now today we're talking with Kira Pendergast from Safe on Socials. For most modern parents, technology is an ever-increasing presence in our lives and the lives of our children and something that's particularly challenging to navigate. Our kids are growing up around screens and for some of them, they're actually growing up on screens. And I think a lot of children could not even fathom the fact that we had to actually get up off the couch to change the channel or turn up the volume of the TV because technology has come so far and is moving so fast. And I know that we often feel really helpless in keeping them safe with things like cyberbullying, sexting, porn, just inappropriate content. It's a really scary world out on the internet. And I think a lot of us think that just limiting screen time may be our first go-to strategy. But Kira says that we need to be asking the right questions so that our children feel safe and they know what to do when they don't. So what are those questions? Well, let's ask Kira now. Hi, Kira. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. So Kira, you run Safe on Social. So I'd really love to know how you got it all started and what sort of educational tools you provide for parents or schools on internet safety. Well, that's a very big story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I started my IT career in Sydney in 1991 and um, like worked my way up to, I became a state director for a really large international IT business and consulting firm that was in 2008. Back then, the Queensland Government CIO's Council asked me to come and talk to them about this new thing called Facebook and whether they should be using it because I was a um, like cybersecurity and identity and access management specialist. Wow. Um, and I said, no, run a mile. <laughs> <laughs> and then within about six months of that conversation, I'd actually left the company I was working for to start my own consulting firm because there were so many government agencies asking for my help with um, social media policy development. So I did that, did that for quite a few years and then um, had a fallout with a business associate and she bullied me so badly online. I didn't leave the house for three months. I got really sick. 
to the point I'm in a wheelchair from the constant stress and the overload of cortisol in my body. Wow. Went through court, all sorts of nightmares that went on for about two and a half years. And during that time, um, I, you know, couldn't work with the government anymore. I just wasn't up to it. So I, I moved back home. I'm from Byron Bay. I, I'd bought a house in Lennox Head and moved back here. And I just rang one of the local principals one day and said, look, this is my background. Do you want me to come and talk to the kids? I think I could really empower them on the way that they're using social media. And he said that um, they'd had a cancellation at their North Coast Principals Conference and would I like to come and speak to the 21 or so principals that were going to be there. And I did. And within a week, most of them had, all all except two actually, had, had booked me to speak in their schools and I've been doing that ever since. So that wow. was 2014. Now, and I can imagine there's just such a huge demand for this sort of information because we're all just sort of swimming blind into this area of parenting and working with children and I think that like parents don't even know how to navigate this themselves and I know that we all, I can even admit that I've got some serious tech issues that I need to get through in order to, to step away. Like I find, I find it really hard and I can't believe you've got that firsthand experience of online bullying. Like that's, yeah. you know, it, it just blows me away how we, I know that even adults find it really difficult to navigate let alone children. So let's start with that. So screen time is obviously a really big, cons- big concern for our parents and they're really worried that their relationships with their children are going to suffer because they're battling over screens. So I want to ask you first about maybe the typical dangers or harm that can be done when our children are on the internet. Personally, I think that we've got to kind of back away about the, there's a lot of hysteria around screen mm-hmm. time too. So yeah. Particularly, Statistically, we have to remember that screen time includes things like reading a Kindle or, mm-hmm. um, you know, Googling for homework, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. So it's not all screen time is created equal is what yeah. I'd like to say. So we have to take it into consideration and it's a child by child, case by case. You know, it's not going to be the same every week. You know, I used to fight with my parents because I wanted to watch cartoons on a Saturday morning or I watch countdown on a Sunday night when dad wanted to watch the football it's like yep. the same same but different you've got to figure it out on how it works for your family mm. don't I think what we do as parents is carry around a massive big guilt stick and beat ourselves over the head with it and a lot of people because they're letting their kids using social media younger all of those things I find that a lot of parents don't turn up to school talks for fear of being Rated for doing the wrong thing and it's not the case at all you know if a parent comes to my talk yeah there's a little bit of scary stuff in it but most of the time it's supportive and what to do so I think we need to kind of take a big big step back and figure out what works best for your own family. I think that's it you've hit the nail on the head there is that there's a lot of shaming that comes down to parenting. Totally. And uh, it, it never works and uh, if we want to actually reach people and help them to understand what to watch out for, what to what to know about, and then that helps you to maintain that relationship and, as you say, have that one-on-one talk with the individual children totally, and the family. Totally. And the kids are going to be different too, different age groups, different learning needs, all sorts of things. You know, I've yeah. got 
you know, I've got a nephew who's on the spectrum that we can't let him game for too long because he's really angry, you know, where other kids are completely fine. And <laughs> there's all of those things that need to be taken into consideration. That's why I always say case by case, kid by kid, literally. Yep. Yeah. That's really good advice. What are some of the ways in which parents can work with their children to maintain some boundaries around technology? Start as early as possible. The younger they are, the easier it is to handle because as they get older, it's going to be more and more and more difficult. And I think the best thing as a parent could do with a young child is learn with them. There is so much information out there now. Like I write a plethora of cheat sheets and for the parenting program I do with Mamma Mia, all of those. There's a lot of information out there. It's just taking the time And it's like little things like sit down and play a game for half an hour with your child before you let them loose on it yourself. If you don't know how to block and report on that particular game, ask your child to show you how. If they don't, (laughs) Google it together. You know, it's like I get that all the time. Like I had a child just a couple of days ago in a school I was working in because there's a game around at the moment that is phenomenally popular called Among Us. Mm-hmm. And she said that she'd been speaking to a stranger on there and it got a bit weird. This girl was in fifth class. She's like, I said, did you block and report? And she said, I didn't know how. And I said, well, your homework this afternoon is to go out and find how to block and report on every single game you're playing because you shouldn't be playing them until you know how to do that basic, you know, basic things. Yeah, that's really great advice. It's like teaching a child to cross the road. There's basic mm. safety steps. Don't give out personal information is number one. Yeah. Number two is knowing the other ways that people can get personal information on your child. Like, is their Instagram account set to public? Are they posting photos in school uniform? You know, all of these things, because I can rip into somebody's Instagram account and find out where they went for, you know, their last holiday and the name of the puppy, the whole lot in under a minute, you know, based on the fact that a parent has posted a photo on Instagram and tag their child into the school that they go to. So it's navigating the way around and like personal information that they're sharing online is not just email, phone number, age, all of those things. It's showing them how you can get to it from simply going onto the wiggles on TikTok and clicking their followers list and then going through every single one of those accounts until you find a public one, you know, and then you've got a database of children there effectively. So there's all of those components that roll into this as well. So there are some big, big safety tips that parents need to understand. Yeah, so that's interesting. Would you say to parents to be cautious about having their Instagram profiles or their Facebook profiles set to public and having their children's information on there? Absolutely. Be very cautious, especially on Instagram. Instagram people tend to post photos So it's up close and personal of their children and it's photos of kids often in school uniform or holding up a certificate saying, I'm so proud of little whoever who won this award today. Mum and dad's account is public. And then when you go through the collective total of those posts and then search for the same person on Facebook and then search for them on Pinterest and all of a sudden you have, you know, all of their kids' information from Instagram, but you have all of the family information. If they're not fully secured on Facebook, you know who all of their friends are. On Pinterest, you know what their interests are because their boards aren't set to secret. You know, so it builds this massive profile so quickly 
that people just don't look at it from an end to end. The biggest thing I ever see is parents not coming to talks because they think they know everything about social media because they've been using Facebook for 13 years or because they're first generation MySpace and I grew up with it. So yeah, I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. (laughs) Yeah, no. No, you don't. It changes every single week something new comes up in my world, every week. And so what would that information be used for? Like, do you want to just give us an idea of of what the danger is behind having that information available? I'm not saying this can happen, Yeah, but it certainly could. You think about that fact that if I search, one of the demos that I give is I pull, I don't ever do the school that I'm actually speaking at because I don't want to embarrass anyone. I'll, I'll pull up a school in, in Sydney or somewhere like that and I'll go through and I'll show the kids and I'll get one of them to time me. And what I look as at is like I go to the places section on Instagram and search by the name and then all of the recent photos come up. And there's always a photo of a child posted at a school. And when I tap on the account holder's name, it's their mum. Okay. Then I look at the account. I know the dog's name. I know where they went on holidays. You know, I know what year group they're in. I know what they look like in school uniform. Like I see the whole lot. So I literally could walk up to the gate at three o'clock in the afternoon and go, darling, the puppy's been hit by a a car. Mummy had to go and take him to the vet. So she asked me to come and pick you up. And if that child said to me, how do you know my mum? From mum's public Instagram account, I could say, oh, don't you remember me from the nippers? You were in the nippers with my kids. We're all on holidays in Hawaii together a few years ago. Darling, did you have fun in the snow? Like literally in under a minute, yeah. convince a child to get in the car with me. Now the chances of that happening are slim, yep. but we want to make it even slimmer. And it's a yeah. really good way to show kids because I show kids that demo so they can see just how easy it is for a random stranger to piece together information on them. And parents need to pull that up a bit. There is a lot of risk and a lot of scams and things happening out there and a lot of people think it would never happen to them. Like I hate to say it and you can edit this out if you want. (laughs) That's okay. But, you know, I know a lot of people that have worked in child safety, in the police in particular. I've got a couple of ex-police officers that work with me. Um, I've got one that works for me in Western Australia. And, you know, some of the stories that I've heard, you know, The average adult would think that, you know, predators are looking for photos of naked kids. Yeah. No, they're not. They're just looking for kids. That's it. Mm. And if all of a sudden you've got a photo of your child in their gymnastics outfit or, you know, sport every week where they are, you know, all of that stuff, how do you know it's not being screenshot and shared all over the dark web where you certainly don't want information about your child being? Yeah, because that is what we're talking about here. There is that undercurrent of child exploitation that is enormous and growing, and it went through the roof during COVID. Really? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. That's went up exponentially during COVID. Wow, really scary. And I I guess there's also be scary. Let me show you the positives. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, but I think that's the idea is to um, we can't ever make informed decisions if we don't know the full extent of the information, right? Correct. So we need to we need to understand what the dangers are so we can risk assess these things for ourselves. This is really important 
That's to right. the way that we bring up our kids is that if you don't have the correct information, you can't make an informed choice. That's right. It's all about risk mitigation and then like building a foundation and then working up from there. So like little things like don't ban your child from their device. They speak up and say someone's sending me weird messages. You know, yeah. the amount of times I get that. I get phone calls from mum saying my 14-year-old daughter's receiving sexting messages from men from overseas. I've taken her phone off her. What should I do now? And my response is always give it back, take her out for a hot chocolate and thank her for speaking up because you're yeah. a helper, you know, because if you ban them from their devices, you'll stop them from telling you anything. That's right. It'll drive yeah. every conversation you want to be having completely underground. I'm not saying don't ban them completely. But don't ban them from their device for speaking up. Don't ban them from their device for forgetting to put the bin out. Do ban them from their device if it's banned from their bedroom and you catch them in it, like, you know, even if you just have a curfew where it's yeah. out by 6.30 at night, you see that they've got it in there at 7. Yeah, then take it for a week. I'm not mm. saying ban it completely. Just be careful of the way that you do that. Yeah, that's right because we, you know, we all couldn't remember what it's like being a teenager in particular, and um, and that trust is really easily broken. And the last thing we want is our children to withhold that information from us because exactly that, we cannot help them. If they've done something silly like sent a nude or something like mm. that at school and it gets shared, they do. Let's be real here, you know. Mm. It does happen. And unfortunately, the amount of times I've heard of young people completely withdrawing and going into the deepest, darkest depressions where they'll barely come out of their bedroom for six months and parents not understanding that it could have been something that happened on social media, and not knowing how to talk about that or not yeah. knowing what specialists to get in place to talk about that. Like there's some, like I work with an incredible woman called Jocelyn Brewer who's a cyber psychologist, you know, so they talk about this differently to other psychologists, you know, so there's a whole heap of resources. It's just knowing where to go to find them. Yeah. And you have a lot of those resources on your website. Yeah. Jocelyn's on my website. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. With things like Among Us and roadblocks and things like that, there's a chat element to a lot of those games, isn't there? Yes. And is that that's where some of the concerns can rise Absolutely. with people accessing your children? Because I've I've seen a little bit. I've I've been hesitant to let allow my younger children to use some of these games because I don't think they're old enough to comprehend what's going on. So, what kinds of things can we teach them? You said the the block function. Mm. Um, what other conversations do we need to have with our children about the chat feature in some of these Big games? Ones like they're all chatting to strangers. It's the nature. Of- gaming but one of the the things that's come up really heavily and like this is the first time I've spoken about this publicly other than in teacher training but one of the things that's been coming up heavily for me in the last couple of weeks when I've been face to face with a lot of little kids I've been doing a lot of primary school work the last couple of weeks and people asking them to be their boyfriend or girlfriend online Mm. and them not kind of understanding what that is. Mm. And I think we need to start having some really serious discussions about that much yeah. younger and especially around consent and things because it extends online. 
I'll give you worst case. I had a little girl playing Roblox, which is wildly popular. She was in grade four. She was 10. She said to me after a session, she asked if she could speak to me privately. And I, you know, her teacher was in the room because that's what have to has to happen. But she said to me that she had been playing on Roblox against her boyfriend who was 12 from America. Mm. Her and I'm like, how do you know him? She said, we met on the game. How long have you been playing together? About a year. Okay. And then mm. she said, one day he asked me to follow him on TikTok so he could follow me back so we could share video messages. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, alarm bells are screaming for me at this point. Yeah. And this little girl then turned around and said that she made a video for him and then asked him to make a video for her. And he said his camera was broken. So now they're uh, exploding at this point, yeah. trying to hold yeah. it together. And then she said that he had said when they meet up, could he put a certain part of his anatomy in her mouth? Mm. And then had proceeded to ask for a video of her in her underwear dancing and stuff. And I said, and what did you do then? And she said, well, he told me he was going to hurt my mum. And I had to explain to her, darling, he's on the other side of a screen. He's yeah. not going to hurt your mum. You need to speak up and tell your mum and dad as soon as anything like this ever happens. This little one was standing in front of me with tears streaming down her face. Mm-hmm. She was so brave speaking up. But it also made me think, how often is this happening to little kids that are too scared to speak up? Yeah, because it'd be so scary to have your family threatened like that because you don't, like, children don't understand understand the reality of that. And that's what will happen. That's what we call sextortion. It's when they say, if you don't send me another image, I'm going to share it all over the internet. But it's happening to really little kids now. And it's like, it's getting, it's scary. But that can be circumvented really easily. One, keep the prices out of the bedroom. And yeah. out of the bathroom, blanket ban. There is no way a 10-year-old girl is going to produce a video of herself dancing around in her underwear in the middle of the lounge room. Mm. You know what I mean? We've got to go back yeah. to basics is when the internet first came in. Remember, computers were always in the family room. They were, yeah. And all of a sudden, the smaller the device, they've gone off into whatever. So yeah. out of the bedroom and the bathroom is my number one tip. Flat out, ban it you know, because mm-hmm. they get into too much trouble with that. And then yeah. start speaking to them about consent and the law and that that's not okay Yeah, to have someone ask you for a photo in your undies and things like that. If you do struggle with those kinds of conversations with your kids, like when they're a little bit older, it's easier to trap them in the car and have those yeah. conversations. <laughs> yeah, that's but, it. You know, and if you're not sure on how to approach the topic, there's actually a really great resource on the e-safety commissioner's website called start the chat which has some age-specific tips on how to talk about if they stumble across porn or if someone asks them for anything all of those things so again knowing where to find the resources but you know it's my job to keep a bit of a heads up and it's difficult at times because I you know I notified some schools around that hideous TikTok video that was being distributed it triggers people and I have to take the risk sometimes, you know, to put out things saying big, massive trigger warning, but this is happening. We've got one of the 
happening at the moment with a another TikTok challenge called Megan is Missing about um, oh, it's a famous TikToker from America and they've spliced into her video, a, you know, her dead in a, in a, in a barrel. And it's wow. a complete hoax. But I had a phone call from a school a couple of days ago saying, do you know anything about this? And I had a look online. I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. You know, it's just nonstop, nonstop. Yeah. So it's that constant conversation about a lot of the stuff that's online is complete and utter rubbish. Yeah. They're going to see a lot of hoaxes. Parents knowing how to put parental controls in place on things like YouTube, you know, and switching off autoplay so it's just not randomly pulling in videos yeah tagged well because the thing is you don't want to learn this stuff on the job like you prefer to be proactive about it exactly and like a lot of parents will go I'm just switching it all off and churning my own butter from (laughs) yeah but that's not realistic either you know yeah it's like the kids are growing up with this a lot of them are going to have careers in it like the amount that's true there's opportunities like being a music producer in the gaming industry like who would have thought of that when I was yeah you know things like that so we've got to stay open but just be educated around what to do to stop things from going wrong before they go wrong I think a big part of it for parents too is that it's such a huge part of their social sphere now so uh, I've heard stories from parents where you know they might have had some pretty severe boundaries on gaming or social media but all of their friends don't and so then they're feeling very isolated from their social group because they're not involved in that and that's a really tricky position for parents to be in as well. Yeah it is and it's a hard one and one I'm not a parenting expert like my background's tech. I have a 24 year old son who heard his mother, I was a single mum so he was my sidekick from day dot. Yeah. He heard the worst of it because, like, I yeah. was working on big projects that were, you know, alongside the AFP in one case and things like that since Morgan yeah. was a little boy. So it was like he'd heard it to the point that he didn't want to know about it. Like he was mm. a gamer but wasn't into any social media until he was about 17. And yeah. Said, I'm not getting invited to parties. <laughs> So what can I go on Facebook? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you're a sub-adult, you can do what you want. But, you know, it's it's hard to parent now. And as I said, not being a parenting expert, I can give tips on what's happening from a social media perspective and how to stop that and how to protect your kids from from there. But when it comes to that aspect of all the other kids are using it, why can't I? all of those kinds of things get a bit more difficult. And, again, it's yeah. a case basis. It's like, a, you know, you liken it to smoking. Yeah. The modern-day smoking. Would you let it is. smoke? You know, are you doing them a, you know, disservice, not letting them on too early? No, you're not. Both sides here. A lot of kids are starting to use social media. I see, honestly, I see Snapchat from as young as grade two. Instagram, which I think is way too young, but again, it's a parent's decision for whatever reason they're doing that. Um, it's not illegal for a kid to use an app under the age of thirteen with their parents' permission. It's actually illegal for the apps to store and retain the information of children under the age of thirteen. So that's why there's always that tick in a box. 
So it, it comes back to a case by case basis. I would, if you know, I I'm a staunch believer in don't let them use Instagram or anything until they're like, you know, sixteen. I would, yeah, because they're they're then stepping into this massive self esteem minefield where they're comparing themselves to lives that don't exist. We do that as adults. Yeah, exactly. Adults are not knowing how to manage those expectations and reality and reality in the highlight reel. Um, so it's hard. I, I just always, we've said, discussed this a few times and saying we are so grateful that we did not have social media when we were teenagers because oh God, I could God. not have put myself out there like some I see some of these kids doing. Columbia be high <laughs> is where I went. Yeah. Columbia be high circa 83 to 87. I don't think I would have survived. I, th- I think the same. I just think it's- the bullying and stuff was so full-on offline. Yeah, yeah. Online, it would have been horrific, at least when I got home at night. If someone rang the house and my father answered the phone, that would be about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Do you have any tips around bullying when it comes to the online? Yeah, I certainly do. <laughs> for, for children or for adults or for both? Let's go with maybe children to teenagers because I think that a lot of people are looking for ways in which they can help their children through it if they experience it. Yeah. So, look, what to do if a child's being affected by bullying, you know, they need to know that they can speak to somebody. That's a really big thing because they tend to close, shut down completely. They need to know also, I think we need to think about both sides here at once. It's like if are getting bullied don't think they can fix it they need to get an adult involved straight away a lot of kids they'll go straight to their friends first yeah social creatures teenagers remember um, yeah you know they'll go straight to their friends and think that they can fix everything but they can't okay so that that's the thing we need to make sure and it's hard as it is for parents you need to make sure that they understand that there's things like kids helpline because sometimes they just don't want to talk to you yeah you know but they want to talk to someone and so there's options like that kids helpline lifeline go and speak to a school counselor have a cool auntie you know all those kinds of things I'm the one that constantly says to my niece who's 12 when you get a phone if you don't want to talk to mummy and daddy about something you come straight to me with anything you know yeah so important that I'm that safe space for her Mm. Make sure, you know, if they are getting bullied, I think my top tips are, you know, effectively know how to take evidence. Take screenshots. If it's happening on Snapchat or in any form of messenger, they're better off using a device to take a photo of their screen rather than screenshotting it because some of these apps will notify the person that's just been screenshot. Yeah. So they need to make sure that they um, don't retaliate in any way, shape, or form. That's mm-hmm. one. So encouraging them to speak up, not retaliating, make sure they know how to get evidence, then block the bully on whatever platform's being used. As a parent, you need to notify the school because more than likely it's happening online and off at the same time. Yeah. But as a parent, please remember too that it's not solely the school's responsibility either. You need to notify them. They'll take a look. But then what you need to do with all of that evidence is once it's been reported to the platform that it's happening on, if they don't remove the post within 24, 48 hours, 
You can report it to esafety.gov.au if you have the URL on where the bullying is being posted. If you don't, you've got screenshots and things like that. You can go straight to the police or you can actually go straight through Crime Stoppers online. Wow. They legislate yep. help too and a lot of people don't realise that. So you can go through there because depending on what state you're in, there's varying laws. Like Queensland, you have Dolly's Law now, mm. named after Dolly Everett, which means yeah. up to five years jail for serious bullying online and off and another two years attached to that if there's physical violence involved. It's good to hear that the legislation starting to slowly catch up um, <laughs> because the amount of damage that's being done uh, is incredible and heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Um, yeah. It's very rarely one thing. Mm-hmm. So, like it's always going to be a factor of a whole heap of things. Yeah. I know to think that beyond the social media stuff, there's a whole heap of things that we need to be and conversations we need to be having with our children about relationships and consent and all of those things just interwoven through all of those conversations right from when they're oh, quite little. Keep them talking. Mm. You want to build that trust-based relationship. You want them yeah. to tell you everything. And if they're not That's telling right. you everything, make sure they're telling someone in your family circle everything so that if there's something that's a little bit off-centre, you've got another adult there that can say, hey, I think there might be an issue that you might need to explore, you know. so Exactly. Such great advice. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for coming on and you know, giving us a little bit of a glimpse. And as you said, it's not about the fear mongering, but it's about having a clearer understanding of what some of the risks are and knowing that there are ways in which we can mitigate these or preemptively make sure that it doesn't get to that point where we're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I didn't know. I wasn't aware or this has gotten out of hand so that we can, we can make sure that they're having a safe and happy time online. And because as you say, there are so many positive aspects to the online world. Oh, so many. Even like with Instagram, I actually tell kids once they turn 13 to create an Instagram account in their real name, obviously not putting out where they go to school or their location, and only talk about what they want to do when they leave school. So if they want to be a chef, have a whole Instagram account about cooking, healthy lifestyle, photos of the food they've prepared. So when they do apply for a job as an apprentice chef when they're 17 and they're searched online, it's a positive digital footprint that comes up yeah. and will support their job applications. Because that's a whole other realm, isn't it? It is about, you know, that digital imprint that we have that will follow us through life. Yeah. And there's ways you can mitigate that too. Easy. You know, that's what I teach in schools, both sides of it. This is what it is. This is what the problem is. This is how you can get around it, Mm. fixing it to be positive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's been such amazing advice. Thank you so much for that. We've just got um, three really quick rapid-fire questions that we like to ask each of our guests as they come on. Um, So the first one is what's your favourite book or a book that you would recommend just it could be on anything really on this topic or anything oh if you like actually I think people probably really like that um it's kind of on this topic but it's kind of a little bit off to the side of this topic it's by a Brisbane author actually called Christine Jackman it's called turning down the noise the quiet power of silence in a busy world I think that's yeah alongside that I think that 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 aspect of things it sounds 
like something we all need to probably take on board. Yeah, Christine used to write for the Courier Mail. It's a great book. Just read it. So yeah, excellent. Really good one. Uh, where do you go to unwind or relax, particularly after a stressful day or week? I just got back from the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very so grounding. Living Lennox Head, so I often mm. drive my car right up the very end of the Seven Mile Beach with my dog, which is what I just did. And beautiful. I'm a photographer as well. Oh, sounds like heaven. Yeah. Um, and the last one I uh, we like to ask is if you could change one thing about the education system, what would that be? Oh, that's a <laughs> It's loaded. Oh, it's very loaded. Um, I if I could change one thing or a perception of what the education system's like, I'd like parents to know one thing. Just do not work nine to three. <laughs> they do not get all of the holidays off. They're often at work until seven o'clock and the amount of times that I'm getting emails from teachers and principals and deputies at nine o'clock on a Sunday night would blow your mind. They are the most busiest people on earth and a lot of people think they've got it easy because they get all of the holidays and all of that stuff. No. So a bit left of centre for that answer but that's no, yeah. That's exactly right. Often um, because I was teaching before I was running wildlings and uh, often talking to my husband about the fact that before I had kids um, I could go to school really early and stay really late and do all my work and then I thought oh my gosh once I have children how am I gonna yeah how am I gonna do that because there's just so much work that's required outside of teaching time so yeah I would agree with absolutely 100 percent yeah yeah. Well, thank you so much again, Kira. Your advice and your perceptions on all of this is something that I know everyone is really interested to learn more about and perhaps they will follow some of these, you know, websites and, and look into it a little bit more and hopefully we can take a little bit of that shame out of it and uh, empower parents to go on this technology journey with their children. Absolutely. Well, I know that I feel a huge sigh of relief and a little bit more empowered to take on tech within our household, and I hope that you do too. Kira actually has an amazing toolkit available on her website, which is safeonsocial.com, and I'll link those in the show notes. And I really encourage you to look at this now, particularly if you've got younger children. It's better to be armed with this information before you need it rather than it being a little bit too late. Now, if you're actually wanting to find other ways to keep your children engaged in play, in nature, rather than on screens, then why not head on over to our website, wildlingsforestschool.com. Now, we have a range of free downloadables that will inspire their little imaginations, things like our forest fairy printable. And we also have a really cool range of tried and tested toys, real tools and books, stuff that we use in our homes and that we use in our programs. These will provide hours of fun outside and your children will be reaping the rewards of being in nature and hopefully balancing a little bit of that tech time out. Next week, I'm talking with author and mother of four fully grown homeschooled children, Chilla Alberts, who is also the mother of our local musician here, Ziggy Alberts. You may have heard of him and his brilliant music. And we're going to be talking all about her journey on their road less traveled. But as always, we love doing this journey with you. So until next week, Stay wild.